Hey guys, I'm going to start answering all your marketing questions and concerns on here. I'm going to give you quick bite-sized actionable marketing strategies and tactics that will help you attract new patients immediately and grow your practice. Every Monday, a short episode will come out and each month we will be covering a topic. Topics like ground marketing, Google AdWords, internal marketing, reputation management, and more. And I will have experts, agencies, and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement. What you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today. No strings attached. And then you will see the results. So without further delay, let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode. Hey Roy, so talk to us about medical and dental billing. How can we utilize this or what advice or suggestions can you give us that will help us with doing medical and dental billing? Michael, it's like anything else. You need to set a firm foundation and the firm foundation for dental and medical billing is documentation. If you don't have it in the clinical record, technically it can't be billed for. And, you know, I talk a lot all over the country and my question, usually when I start the, the presentation is how many of you get all the information you need as a billing person to submit a claim to the insurance carrier. Nobody raises their hand. Everybody is uh, working to be able to get the information they need to be able to submit that claim appropriately to the insurance company. And doctors, I get it. I'm a dentist. I, I was busy trying to treat my patients. And, you know, the least important thing I think in my life was that clinical note after the fact. I wanted to take great care of my patients, wanted to deliver great care. But the minutia, the business part of it was not the part that I enjoyed most. But I found since that if you do give those qualified individuals at the front desk the information they need to submit the claim appropriately using the correct codes that um, are available for us to describe either medical or dental billing, that the reimbursement becomes very consistent and you can count on them being paid if you leave anything open to discussion or to the imagination when you send that claim to the insurance company, they don't have all the information they need. So more than likely, it's either going to delay the claim, they're going to ask for additional information, or it's going to be a denial. So you have to start the whole process over again and appealing. So honestly, as a time saver, take the time to be able to document appropriately and to give that foundation for that submission to the insurance carrier to make sure that it's paid appropriately and that you maximize your legitimate reimbursement minimize the risk that are associated with. Nice. Okay. So then you mentioned where it's available. We want to look at this information. Where can we find, like for someone who's kind of new and they're like, I want to get into medical in my dental office, you know, where, where would that be? Well, medical and dental are very different in that there is a whole certification process for medical billing. You can actually go to organized classes and to be certified once that's done so that you have the tools you need to be able to bill medical appropriately. Dental, on the other hand, not so much. There's not a certification process. And as far as formal training, there is some out there, but it's kind of hard to find from time to time. And there's no basis or curriculum to be able to get that information to be a certified or a qualified dental biller. So it's, you know, the number of times I've seen individuals who come into a dental practice, they're hired with no dental background, and they are placed in a position to submit claims for dental services to the dental insurance, and they have no idea about what the service is, much less how to be able to match that service to the code that's associated. So it takes some time to have that individual spend the necessary 
time to understand how it's to be done appropriately. And like I said, that's the difference between medical and dental. Medical, there is an education track and there are certifications. Dental, no such thing. It's the wild, wild west. Hmm. So then how do we know? Like, how can we know? For example, I hire someone who's office manager. I've been doing this for 20 years, Roy. I know what I'm doing. But do they? The number of times I go on the dental forums and observe a person asking a question regarding submissions to the insurance and the plethora of answers I get range from nail on the head to nowhere even in the neighborhood. And unfortunately, when you ask that question, you think the person who is answering it does have the tools necessary and the education necessary to be able to give good advice. Not so much. It just makes me cringe and scratch my head. It's kind of like you're giving that advice to this person and you are nowhere near being correct in doing that. So my concern would be to go to someone who has the experience who um, have the chops to be able to answer the question appropriately. You know, there are, there are organizations. I'm a member of the Academy of Dental Management Consulting, and you actually are vetted when you become a part of that organization. There are so many people out there that say I'm a dental consultant, and they were that office manager the week before, and they really don't have the training necessary to be able to support their offices. So look for someone who is qualified. I've been recognized as an American Dental Association subject matter expert. You have to have gone through a number of steps to be able to be recognized as that as well. So just like looking at the credentials of those people you're going to hire, look at the credentials of people who are going to train you or train those individuals in your practice to be able to bill and submit those claims appropriately. And like I said, unfortunately, in dentistry, there's no, there's no ruling board. There's no group that actually puts the rubber stamp of approval on individuals. So be a little bit wary and uh, make sure they have the training, support them both with the reference materials. The number of times I go in dental practices and I'm consulting with them and I, I ask them, well, where are your reference materials? And they bring out a coding manual that is five years old. Mm -hmm. Codes changed, everything's updated. You can't do it appropriately if you don't have the tools necessary to be able to do that. So invest in the supported tools. The American Dental Association has a coding manual. It has a companion. I have other reference materials. There are other people out there who generate those. Dr. Charles Blair is very well known for his reference materials as well. So look for a recognized source of information and use those as a tool to be able to learn and go forward. Don't depend necessarily on the internet. Or if you do, reach out to somebody. Make sure that person that you're reaching out to for information and support are qualified to be able to do it. Gotcha. So some of the tools you mentioned, the coding manual from the ADA. That's one, right? Correct. What else could we, like if I'm like, hey, read this, right? That's one, what else? So they have a companion. The coding manual is just the codes and the descriptors of a little bit of supportive information, but not a whole lot. The coding companion goes a bit deeper into and explains those codes. Uh, make sure that you understand how they're applied and those references will be able to help do that. The American Dental Association, if you're a member of the ADA, you can call. They have a support line for billing and coding. You can pose those questions there, too. You know, those people are vetted. Um, so those are some references you'll be able to use. Dr. Charles Blair has developed a cross-coding document or a, a book that, you know, there are, there are several thousand medical codes in the coding manuals there. I, you know, we're at 650-ish dental codes. There are multiple thousand codes that are associated with the CDT or the um, ICD 
I would encourage you to look for a reference that actually pairs those down. There's so many codes that in dentistry we'll never use. So Dr. Blair's Cross-Coding with Confidence book crosswalks all the dental codes into the medical codes and gives you a list of the most likely codes that could be used. Now, it's not it's not comprehensive. It's not exhaustive, but it will give you a number of crosswalks into dental to medical. So you'll have a fairly decent list of codes that you can look at and maybe apply when you're doing the dental billing with medical insurance. Gotcha. Okay. So then let me ask you, so that's good. The Charles Blair support line from the ADA, right? The coding companion, the coding manual, right? And right. then when it comes to, let's just say, oh man, this person's great. They're, they're a wonderful person. They're going to be doing this. They're a medical assistant. So they know the medical kind of like they're certified, right? Now we have to teach them the dental part. But the other way around is different, right? If it's like, okay, you've been doing dental, you still got to keep learning the dental. And then how do, what would be the best way to start implementing medical billing? If you're like, well, what, what do we do? How do we, how do we approach this? I would encourage them to go ahead through the educational process and become certified in medical as well. And if my crystal ball works the way I think it's going to, we're not going to have any choice. I would say within the next seven to 10 years, the ADA codes are going to be no longer utilized. We're going to be looking at billing to medical. The reason for that being is insurance companies do what they do based on what? The finances. Mm -hmm. As far as insurance companies, it's it's twice as expensive to have a dental group and a medical group. So they have a whole different division that processes medical claims, and then they have a division that processes dental claims. It's twice as expensive. So if you're seeing the trends, for example, the ADA code in 2012, or ADA claim form in 2012 was updated to include diagnosis codes. Those are ICD diagnosis codes. Would that claim form have been modified were there not the possibility or intent that they're going to be utilized? And to let you behind the curtain, behind the coding maintenance committee, the code maintenance committee at the American Dental Association, they're in the process of trying to completely revamp our dental coding system so that it appears to be more like the medical. For example, there are modifiers that they're trying to add. The whole coding system, they're looking to shift from what we have today to something that is more medical-like. My question would be, why would you reinvent the wheel if you have the ability to submit claims to an existing entity that is recognized, not just in the US, but worldwide? My answer would be, there's no reason that they would do that. The American Dental Association is very, very important to me. I've been a member all my life, and they represent us very well, nationally, as well as with the US government, as far as PAC groups. However, the greatest non-dues revenue producer for the American Dental Association are the codes. For example, the, the software companies, by loading those dental codes into the software, they have to pay the American Dental Association a royalty to be able to do that because the American Dental Association owns those codes. Mm. ICD is nobody owns them. They're, they're free to be able to use. So if we move from the using the Dell codes to the ICD-10 platform, the non-dues revenue to the American Dental Association disappears. So they te technically don't want to lose that. So they're trying to revamp it so that it looks like medical. It works like medical, but it is owned by the American Dental Association and the Code Maintenance Committee. Does that make sense to me? No, you're trying to reinvent the horse. So why not utilize the platform that always exist, already exists? 
and move in that direction. And insurance companies are moving us in that direction as well. How often do you get a have a claim sent to a dental carrier and they go, oh, before we're going to consider this, you're going to have to send it to medical first. They're actually training us by pushing us in that direction to go, oh, by the way, you need to be familiar with this moving forward. And I encourage, because there are several dental procedures that can be paid by medical, why not start now? Learn now, be ahead of the curve, and be ready for it when that change does occur that I believe is going to occur. And I know a lot of people, a lot of practice owners right now are also kind of thinking like, we need to start doing more medical billing. Or I want to delve into that. I want to look into that a little bit more because, I mean, it improves collections as well. So, And let's face it, this part of your body is not separated from everything else. Mm -hmm. So would a medical condition have a detrimental effect on the oral cavity and the teeth that are existing therein? The answer is absolutely yes. That being the case, if medical pays for all the subsequent uh, sequelae from a medical condition, why would we say, no, this is separate from all this. We want to build separately. We don't want to be a part of the other. Why would you do that? Does it make sense? Yeah. Does it make, Roy, do you teach this? I'm sure. Yeah. Like if, if somebody were to be like, oh, I want to like, like specifically, what do you normally like? Somebody's like, oh, I want to reach out to Roy. Are you going to refer that or like, do you teach it? Yeah, I, I do. I, I teach it. also do um, audit consulting and private practices as well. Friend of mine and I, we do, do boot camps um, usually twice a year. That's a two-day intensive program where we give you the tools to be able to maximize your benefit and to get you do online. Can't teach you everything with medical, but we can give you the foundation so that you can do that moving forward. So yeah, that's something that I, I do provide. I love being able to help people maximize their reimbursement. I want them to get every penny they're entitled to, no more, no less, and do it a simple way. And there's ways to be able to do that to make it simple. Yeah. Awesome, Roy. I appreciate your time. And if anyone has further questions, you can definitely find them in the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. Or where can they reach out to you directly? Sure. Uh, my email address is my name, Roy Shelburne, R-O-Y-H-E-L-B-U-R-N-E at gmail.com. Or if you just Google me, you'll find me. I'm out there. You're in the Googleverse. Got you, man. All right. Thank you for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. 